Praise the Lord. You can, be, um, you can actually remain standing. I want to go ahead and pray for our time in the Word. We're going to do something a little different. We, um, we usually have a reader, uh, but we're going to go through the whole, te- the whole chapter. So I'm going to go ahead and read through, and we're going to together. Uh, so I just want to pray for us right now, and then we'll jump into uh, the Holy Word. Uh, praise God. Thank you so much, God. Leading us in song and, and preparing our hearts. That's, the, that's, that's part of the, uh, the, the reasoning behind is as we are worshiping God, our hearts are being prepared. God, the Holy Spirit is doing a work in us uh, so that by God's grace, uh, we will receive uh, his truth through his word. So I pray that we're excited and ready to, to eat from God's word and enjoy him. Please let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity uh, to honor you. Uh, Lord, I, I ask that we would all be attentive and uh, in desiring to, to learn about your world and who we are. Uh, pray that we're excited to learn more about our risen Savior, Jesus. I ask Jesus that you would give us humility uh, and a desire to not want to be in the same place. But Lord, that we would truly uh, ask that you would allow us to yield more to you so that you would be seen more through us. And Lord, I ask, uh, would you use me? Would you allow uh, your holy word uh, to come through your servant? And I pray that you would relinquish my pride and my desire to be known and that you would be made known. Um, we love you, Jesus, and I thank you that we can be a family. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please buy, uh, go ahead and sit down and just enjoy. If you need um, Bibles, it should be in your, right in front of you. If you need a Bible, though, you can raise your hand. We can try and get, get one to you as well. And there's a bunch up here as well, too. So <clears throat> we are uh, local uh, people of God. As you know, we are in Exodus uh, chapter 35, in Exodus uh, for a couple more weeks, actually, and then we will uh, take uh, a break and we will get into a cool series for the summer uh, that we will be announcing. Uh, we'll have slides for that in a moment. Uh, but what we'll be doing is uh, our, our awesome pastor, Leon, will be leaving us in a couple months. Yeah, yeah, y'all. Some headhunters came in. I'm just kidding. But um, no, the Stevens and family are, are heading on sabbatical. And so uh, we, we, uh, I'm just trying to be very prayerful about even the series we want to do to um, in their absence. So we have something fun for you planned for the summer. So I just want to let you know that. We'll talk more about that later. But uh, we're in Exodus uh, chapter 35, and uh, we spent our, our time uh, during Easter uh, celebrating uh, the liturgical calendar and coming alongside of what millions and millions of other Christians are doing. And as you know, we do that. We do that during, um, during Advent, and we do that during uh, the Easter season. So we uh, spend time discussing and, and, and worshiping God through understanding Ash Wednesday and then going through our six-week uh, series on understanding who is Christ, and, and uh, hopefully you were encouraged and then, and then having a great, great time during Holy Week with you guys as we exalted our Savior and just uh, retold the story uh, through the, the acts that we did throughout the week, uh, through Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, uh, Easter, Sunday, uh, Saturday, obviously I had nothing spiritual to do with it. We just had some fun and got some eggs, and then... Sunday, uh, worshiping our Lord. And so now we're back in Exodus uh, chapter 35. And this is, uh, give us a snapshot just to remind you, uh, Exodus is a wonderful book. And this is a time actually where uh, we would, uh, to, to go back to the liturgical calendar, where you would talk about Pentecost, you know, if we were to stay, stick with the liturgical calendar, uh, 
And in ordinary time, I had to give that shout out because my, my, my boy's a priest and he'd probably get on me if I don't talk about the, the rest of the liturgical calendar. Um, obviously, we, we are um, entering back into Exodus and we'll have a couple more weeks and then we'll be done. And in the book of Exodus, uh, God is doing a crazy work. He's doing something really cool. He, uh, he's showing himself uh, faithful and also all-powerful. Uh, he takes the people of God as they cry out. Uh, he delivers them. He says, what I will do as you are enslaved, I will take you. I will take you away from uh, the most known power in all the world. And then what I will do is I will remind him, I will show him, and I will show you that I'm the only one, uh, that there's uh, no one more powerful than me. And he basically does that through, uh, through dissipating Pharaoh, destroying his army. Uh, he brings the people out of bondage. He then establishes them as his people. Uh, and now because they have all this uh, stinking thinking, because they've been uh, within that, the pagan environment for a while, he, he's, he takes them through the wilderness to kind of help them understand what does it mean to be the people of God. Now, we don't have it up here. I wish we did, though, because uh, Matthew worked so hard. We, we, we built a tabernacle. Uh, well, not a whole tabernacle, but, you know, a replica uh, that you can see uh, to talk about what was God doing as he was kind of helping people understand a few things. First, that they were his people. Also, he wanted them to understand that uh, he was their God and that because he's holy and perfect and awesome, that there is a certain way that you and I need to, uh, to come to God and have a relationship with God. You just don't go and say, well, yeah, now we're going to be boys. He's like, no, let me, let me help you understand. There is a way of, of entering into a relationship with me. And so we see that happening uh, through him destroying uh, the Egyptians, bringing them through the Red Sea, allowing all these beautiful you know, miraculous signs to happen, protecting them in their time in the wilderness, giving them uh, statutes of what does it mean to be. Uh, and then he actually gives them the Ten Commandments. We went through that. Gives them the Book of the Covenant, Exodus uh, 21 through 25 to 24. Uh, they go back. To, Moses goes back to the mountain and he teaches them. Uh, I mean, to build that tabernacle that we just talked about. The people while there were getting restless, uh, and and what do they do? They they uh, begin to worship idols. They begin to build a calf out of gold. Uh, Moses sees this. Uh, it's a beautiful beautiful discussion, a beautiful picture of Moses and, uh, by God kind of destroying the tablets and showing that there's judgment upon Israel for this. But then we get to see throughout the chapter 2 uh, that God is gracious. And he could have destroyed them, should have destroyed them, but yet he reestablishes them and says, you know what, uh, you're my people, and, and your, your unfaithfulness is not going to make me unfaithful. And so, again, when, you, when we're reading the Old Testament, always remember, you know, our, our tendency is always to ask, like, man, what is this teaching me about me? Right? Because we're, that's how we are. But the Bible is always primarily about what is it teaching you about God first. And we just learn something very beautiful about who God is and how, and how he's committed to being, to, to being at the end and saying, you know what? I was always faithful. You did all this stuff, and I've remained faithful. And so we get to uh, chapter 35, uh, where uh, it's basically almost like a retelling, but it's actually happening again of those earlier chapters where he tells them, uh, he gives them instructions on how to build uh, the tabernacle. Uh, but the, the, the beauty of it, you get to see him saying what he wants them to do. If you've read through chapter 35 through 40, 
And then you get to see in chapter 35 through 40 what they actually do. It's, and it's a beautiful picture. And it can be kind of boring because it almost sounds like it's the same text. Because it's going through the different things. Like it's almost some of the stuff is verbatim. And one thing that we've, we've talked about a lot of times as I, as I talk about, you know, I'll go th- we'll go through a text and I'll say, hey, the application here is be faithful. And then we'll go through another text and the application will be be faithful. And I, want, and I always talk about, hey, guys, don't ever get tired of seeing the same things happen in Scripture. Don't ever, don't ever, like, don't let Satan fool you and me to go, oh, I already know this. Right? Or I need, some, I need new insight. We always talk about that. Insight and truth are not synonymous. People can have insight that's totally demonic. Right? The goal, the goal of the Christian, and I think I've shared this here, but can I, the goal, as, as, you're, as, as by God's grace, you're a shepherd leader here, can I encourage you, the goal, my goal, if I'm going to be a good pastor, is to be actually a good plagiarist. Now, here's what I mean. I'm not, up, I'm not called to get up here and make something up so it can sound really good to y'all, right? The goal, God says, I want you to take what I said and tell the people, all right? And so that means if God says it 35 times, instead of us going to get bored, we should go, why did God say that 35 times? That's interesting. I need to pause because if God thought he just said 35 times, he must mean that I ain't going to get it on time four. Right? And am I the only testimony that that's true? Right? I need to hear every week. Be faithful. Right? And so I want us to, so when you, when you see the repetition in the scriptures, guys, don't, don't go into despair or, or feel like you need something deeper. Press into that. Be like, God said that again. He did the exact same thing again. It's, it's hard now because I read with my kids. We're in numbers right now. Can you imagine numbers with it? But, I, but I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't, this is not some hustle. I want to too, but this is important. God's trying to tell us something here. That's what he's trying to do here in chapter 35, guys. He's telling us something that was repeated over and over again that we already read in depth a couple chapters ago. But he's trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us that, man, God is gracious here. Check this out. I'm going to read and then I'm going to make a few comments so now we're, he, they, they've come, they, they've repented. Remember, God, the, the calf was made. Uh, God, Moses gets so upset. The people of God repent or, or they, they say, okay, Lord, you're right. We shouldn't have done this. Well, first they were blaming each other, remember? And, and Aaron and all those guys were kind of like, oh, well, the calf just jumped out of the fire. I don't know what happened, right? And all that, and all that madness. But then God is gracious. And now we're here. And they face these instructions again. But the funny thing now is that they did it. It says they had the instructions, but now they're doing it. Starts in verse 1. Moses assembled all the congregations of the people of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Okay? It's going to sound the same. Six days work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. So we're talking about the Sabbath here, right? Verse 3, you shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. So he's kind of reinstituting some things here. Specifically, we're talking about the Sabbath. He's talking to the people of God. They've had that crazy act happen. God has been merciful. 
you're hearing Moses kind of, kind of just retelling them what does it mean to be his people. He talks about this issue of rest. And it's interesting to me how important the Sabbath is. Now, we've gone through this. We've talked about the Sabbath. And I want to go back through some of the main points. But I want to start with saying it's interesting, it's interesting here that it's so important. He says, you can die if you don't obey this, right? So at some point, I'm going to give you rest one way or another. You either rest or I'm going to kill you. But it's, it's interesting that... That the theological rationale of the, of the Sabbath, I want to just remind us, if, we, if we've missed it, um, the word is like a stoppage, right? Like, um, and it's, it's, it's portrayed uh, not just stopping activity, because sometimes we can think the Sabbath is about stopping activity for activity's sake. But it seems like, as, we, as we've gone through Scripture, that the Sabbath is a stoppage, and it's good for everyone because the focus is to refocus yourself during that time on God, to enjoy God's blessings, to pause, just as God has the cosmic rhythm of like, I created everything, and then I paused and checked out what I did and thought, man, this is, I'm just, look what I did. This is awesome. That as it were, we retell that story when we pause, get the hustle and bustle, and if anyone should understand this practically, it should be an American. As, as we are in a culture that says, hustle, hustle, hustle. You ain't got no time to stop. You got to hustle, you got to hustle. Sometimes we do so much and we're doing so much that we never even pause to go, what have we actually done in life? We pa- and I would say, as a Christian, we don't, we don't pause and go, what has God done? Let go- what- I me mean, just pause and just, just, just enjoy God. Refocus. The goal of the Sabbath is worship. It's worship. In other words, it's designed to help people to become spiritually stronger and closer to the Lord. And I love it. I love that a couple of things I just want to say that the, the, the paradigm for, for uh, God's work and, and rest and creation is actually the paradigm for our work, our week. So that's, that's just deep to me. Just think about that. That our week, is a, that's the paradigm that we have. That God, by weaving himself into the weekly calendar of Israel, he's showing Israel basically how integral he is to them. Saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, days of the week, I'm going to put myself in there letting you know I should get a whole day where you just kind of pausing and go and consider God. You know what else it does? These are some practical things, guys, as I just want to just make sure as what we do is when we read the text and there's a theological issue, I want to pause and like parse that out a little bit so we don't just drive by it and assume we understand the importance of the Sabbath. The Sabbath also, it presses the believer to trust God, right? One of the intuitive things that the Sabbath does is when, you, when you're working hard and you stop, you saying, oh, God, I trust you can take care of that. <laughs> I don't need to keep busting stuff out, right? And so, and so it is, it's beautiful. It's highly theological, but, but even all of God's, the study of God, I love what he does. He makes it so practical. It's like, it's just, it allows you and me to say weekly, like, I trust that God is my provider, right? So, so your schedule, and you guys remember, I've come a long way since 10 years ago. Um, where I was like, oh, man, you because know, the reality is Jesus is the Lord, or he's, he's the Lord, and basically we enter into his Sabbath rest. But, man, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that this rhythm is pragmatically extremely important. It has huge theological implications in our life. And that basically your schedule, as it were, tells a lot about your priorities. Right? If you can't ever pause and say, God, you you worth this time, that just says a lot. That says a lot of where we are. 
So, and I love that in the Sabbath, you couldn't, you know, because some cats be trying to hustle, right? So you couldn't be like, okay, I'm going to take a break. I'm glad I got these servants. Y'all work. Couldn't do that. He, he, see, God knew how, you know, how we are. He's like, no, on the Sabbath day, I don't want your servants working. I don't want anybody working. Right? So because that sense of like, oh, okay, Lord, so I still can't get that done? Yep, you need to trust me for that. So this weekly cycle hasn't gone away. Um, I would say it's still part of, of their experience, especially here. I just want to say for us even, consider like what that looks like practically. So, so he starts off, this is so important. Uh, the Sabbath is made for us, uh, not us for the Sabbath. And he goes in verse 5. He says, take from among you a contribution to the Lord. So he, he says, hey, guys, take, I want each of you to, to gather some stuff and contribute to the Lord. Whoever is of, check this out, whoever is of generous heart, verse 5, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twin linen, goat's hair, verse 7, tan, ram skin and goat skin, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and stones for the setting, for the ephod. This is him saying we need to gather materials as we're going to build this thing. Right? We're going to build this beautiful tabernacle. Let every skillful man, remember these guys, excuse me. Let every skillful man, verse 10, among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. And as you're reading, just ask yourself, so what, what would I be thinking if I'm in the mind of a Hebrew back then? Because, you know, they're reading this generations, right, throughout the generations as they're out. And to encourage them, what, what, like, why is this important? Verse 11, the tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases. Verse 12, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps, and the oil for the light, verse 15, and the altar of incense with its poles and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle. The altar of the burnt offerings, offering with its grated of bronze, grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court. Verse 18, the pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his son for their service as priests. And in verse 20 says, then all, he says, hey, do all this, gather all this stuff, right? It's a long list. And then it says in verse 20, he tells them to gather, it says, then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. I just think that's a very interesting uh, concept there. I just think he's like, hey, guys, we need all this stuff here. And then it said they all departed, right? That's just interesting to me. You know, no, 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 no discussion or anything like that. And, I'm, and, and, was, and, and look at the rest of the text here. I want you to notice. It seems like there's a command there, but at the same time, there's freedom. Now, that's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. But actually, it's pretty normal, pretty big part of the Christian life. Look at verse 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him. Hear that? And everyone whose spirit moved him. All right. Who came? 
He was a heart restored and spirit that moved them and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for all for the holy garments. So the scriptures let us know. It didn't say, and they just all just obeyed. But it's interesting that the author wanted you to see the heart motivation. It's interesting to me that the, the, the author wanted you to have that, this insight. And I think there's a reason why. Let's keep reading. So they came, verse 22, both men and women, all who were of willing heart. See what he does again? He didn't have to say that. If he could have said they obeyed God and got all the stuff. It says, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects. They bring in all the jewelry and stuff. Every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord and everyone who possessed blue or purple or scarlet yarns or fine linens or goat, goat's hair or tan ram skin or goat skin brought them. Everyone, verse 24, who could make a contribution of silver or bronze bought it, brought it as the Lord's contribution. And everyone who, one who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. So it seems like not only were they bringing it, but it seems like there was a universal sense of, of like willing desire to give. Right? And verse 25, and every skillful woman spun with her hands and, uh, and, they, and they all brought what they had spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twin linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred them. Uh, to use their skills, spawn their ghost hair. So like, man, it's like they're giving their stuff and it's like, and in their hearts, some people had skills. And it's like, they were like, man, I can, I can create this stuff. And they started doing it. So it's a sense of like, just this, uh, this motivation that was a heart motivation of people just being excited to, to be about God's business. Is this fair, fair observation? Verse 27, and the leaders brought onyx stone and the stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spices, and oil for the light, and for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense. Check this out. And all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. See how he ends that? That all these guys who did all this had a free will offering. Now, let me paint the picture here. Here's, here's what it seems is happening. You have these guys. Have you ever just done something, I mean, it's really foul. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I'm, I have a picture of, of just where you experience this uh, God's grace. I, when I was in college, you know, I got into a, a, a crazy scenario. Um, I basically fought some guys and, and uh, basically beat these guys up. And, and the thing is, what was interesting, uh, and then, sorry, and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't saved for new people. And, um, and, it was interesting because my, my, my RA, resident assistant, um, he saw all this, and, and, I, and at our school, it was a good school, uh, could have got expelled. Uh, he, he heard about it, uh, you know, people told him what's up, the guys are uh, in the next dorm, he actually saw the, what happened to him, and man, I was on my way out, you know, and I remember uh, him coming to me, a dude named Stan, Stan Smith. Uh, he wasn't Christian either, by the way. He became a Christian later. Uh, he wasn't a Christian. And he said, man, when I, when I saw, when I heard about what you did, and then I saw the stuff, uh, I, was, I was going to report you and get you expelled. Uh, but for some reason, I just felt like, you know what? I want to give this brother another chance. And, and I don't know about you guys, but, I, but when you have those moments where you were totally brought to the point of, of, 
of brokenness, you just realize like your wrongdoing. And there's, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, in, in the flesh, I'm a blame shifter. I hope I can find somebody I can blame. You get to that point where there's nobody to blame, right? It, it was just, it was a very sobering moment for me. Um, for me, I felt like the rest of my, he, he was a junior at the time. My rest of my college time when he was there, it was the next year. There was just a certain sense of not, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it, it, it was interesting. I didn't feel, it wasn't like an a, a unhealthy shame. I wasn't even a believer. It wasn't shame. It was, more, it was more like, wow. It was a gratitude for this guy giving me a second chance, but also a stewardship of the second chance. I thought, huh, wow, I get another chance. What am I going to do with this? And that was, that was as an unbeliever. I want to propose to you guys, as I look at this text here, imagine you're with a holy God. He's, 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 he's part of the Red Sea. He's provided food from the air. <laughs> he's allowed water to come from a rock. And many other miracles, other things, to just, to just validate his goodness. Right? And then he, your leader goes off, and you're seeing supernatural things, right? I mean, I just can't imagine you have a hill, a mountain, and there's this huge cloud, you know, and then you're following this cloud, and then, then there's a pillar of fire. I mean, this is, this is what they were experiencing. Uh, but then, for some reason, because of our own sinfulness, we begin to go, you know what, I just don't know if this is really what we're supposed to be about. This is taking so long, because he's up there 40 days, and you get worried, and you start to, like, not trust God, you know, because God's taking too long. Maybe none of you guys have experienced that. You know, God's taking too long. I'm going to do my own thing. That's just those guys. But then... They make just, not just like we're mad or whatever, but then to, to, to offend God by making a golden calf, right? So not only are you going to like not be about serving God, but you're going to make an animal out of, and you're going to make it and say, I'm going to worship it. It's a total offense. And yet he still said, he still allows them to partake of this plan. He still says, after all that, he, he, he judges them. Remember, some of them get sick. But then he's, he's you're going to still be able to build this tabernacle. You're going to still be part of my plan. I'm proposing, family, that what we see here is gratitude. I'm, suppo- I'm supposing, I'm pretty confident that they're going, man, we, we were so dumb. I don't think, here's the thing. Now, now, now don't miss this because I want to make sure we, we get it right. I don't, I'm pretty confident, I'm pretty confident that they weren't just going, I did something foul, right? And so therefore, I need to pay God back. See, that, that's the wrong motivation. Or have you ever did it, we were talking about this, have you ever done this where you're still evil in your heart and you just do it because it appeases your guilt? You, but you still want to do evil. So you're just like, yeah, I'll build you the thing, but I can't wait to get my next time where I can do my, my next issue, my next thing, right? Have we ever had that where you... You want to do evil, and you maybe someone's mad at you, and you just don't even, you have an argument with somebody, and you say sorry, but you're really not sorry. You ever do that? I'm sorry. Right? But you're just like, I'm really sorry. I just want to move on from this argument because it's dumb. And hopefully, you're, right? The wrong, see, that's the wrong heart. See that? 
But, but there's something that's beautiful. There's something that, that, really, do, that really shows the character of God when, when, we, when we see his grace and we go, whoa, look, what God, look who God is. Look what God has done. And then the same act. So you can, you can give all this stuff and have an evil heart. You can, all this could be happening with a, a heart of like, I don't really care about God. I can't wait for the next time to build another calf. Right? But there's something here. We were talking about this that... that I'm interested in seeing, does Israel struggle in this way the next few generations? I don't, even, I don't think so. I mean, actually, I'm looking at numbers. I don't think so. I'm proposing that God is trying to show us a testimony of people who actually repent. That they actually do what, what God says. So you, you, you get here, and it's this beautiful picture that they went home, and they got their stuff. And he's letting sinful people participate in a wonderful plan. They shouldn't, they don't, they don't deserve it, but he redeems them. And I just, to me, guys, if, well, how, how does that apply to my life? I, I look at these guys, and I'm thinking, man, that's what's so beautiful about, about our faith in Christ. Is that God doesn't just save us and make us whole and say, yeah, you're whole, but now you're, you're, you're crazy and messed up, though. So sit on a bench, and I'm going to save everybody and bring my glory. And do it. He doesn't do that. He gives us the opportunity after he makes us his children to actually participate in his plan while we're broken. That's crazy. The same people who built a golden calf built the tabernacle. We get to participate in his work, guys. Merciful. So he gives this command, but yet he gives them freedom. Like, hey, you, you should be doing this, but make sure you have the right heart. I'm proposing, I wonder if people, some people could have said, you know what, I'm cool. I, I'm trying to keep my, man, I like my bling. Yeah, maybe next time. I don't know. <laughs> but it seems interesting that he's like, hey, I want you to do this, but you, your hearts need to be right. Look what it says in uh, verse 30. It says, Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name uh, Bezalel, the son of Uri, uh, son of uh, Uri, the son of, of her, of the tribe of Judah, verse 31, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones. For setting and in carving wood and for every, in every skilled craft, verse 34, and he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach of the tribe of Dan. And he has filled them with, the skill, with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twin linen or by uh, a weaver, by any sort of works, workman or skilled designer. I'm going to take a little piece out of uh, chapter 36. Check this out. Bezalel and Aholiab and their every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Verse 2, and Moses called uh, Bezalel and Aholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him up to come to do the work. 
Verse 3, and they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. So they get all the stuff, the people gathering. God got, he's, he's got specific skillmen that he's got doing this. He has, he's, he's like, I mean, he's just anointing people and he's looking at their skill sets and he's grabbing the people of God. And then he grabs all the resources and the scripture says, so that all the craftsmen were do, who were doing every sort of task, verse 4, on the sanctuary, I'm sorry, they, verse, they still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning. Verse 4, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task that he was doing, and said to Moses, check this out, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. You hear that? We got too much stuff. We, we, it just keeps coming. Verse 6. So Moses gave command. Hey, I got I to do another command. And, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contributions for the sanctuary. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Stop. We got a new command, y'all. <laughs> Stop. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Notice the response from Moses' call. He says, they're giving us too much. See, what we see here practically, I would say, is nothing short of a, of a, of a principle that we talk about a lot in this local body. And I, and I, I think the thread of it is throughout the canon. And that is, man, like gratefulness and gratitude, just it, mo- it motivates just passion and joy. It motivates a person to be and do all that God has called them to do. It seems like gratefulness, when you're grateful and, and God has, shown, has been gracious to you and you see it, it motivates a lack of greed and a desire to give. It just motivates that. I mean, have you ever had someone just give you something? Just bless you in that way? Have you, have you, have you, have you experienced God's grace like that? So I think the text is asking us, here's, here's the answer, yes. The text is, is, is challenging you and me to be able to see where and how and when God is moving and to ask God to give you the grace to build a heart and cultivate a heart of gratefulness so that we don't fall into the lives of this world in our country and feel like, no, I got to get mine. That's just a, that's just a lie. Greed is, is, is the antithesis of gratefulness. You're saying, oh, no, I got to get, I got to get verses like God has given me everything I can give. This is all the Lord's. This is, here, here, here's what, I, I want to propose something here. I want to say, and so we can go home, this text really is asking you a few questions. One of the questions it's asking is, what do you do with, with your sin? When you sin... Like, what do you do with it? If you're a Christian in here, if you're an unbeliever, my prayer is that you would, you would learn and see what you're supposed to do with your sin. If you're a Christian, what do we do sometimes? We, we sin against God. We sin against each other. What do we do? Do we, do we blame shift, right? Do we, what do we do? It's, do we have a heart-rending where there's godly sorrow, the Bible talks about, that leads to repentance, right? We look toward Jesus, not ourselves. We look toward Christ to forgive us, and we experience that forgiveness. Have mercy on me, a sinner, do we have that posture when we sin? Right? Do you, do you realize you're, you are on the hook or do you try and take yourself off the hook? 
Do you do what, what we talk about in premarital counseling? Like we, have, we have heart-rending, which I propose is gospel-centered, centered on Jesus, what he does to you and for you. So now you can receive that and experience the forgiveness and experience freedom. But a lot of us, we do what I call garment-rending, right? Where we have worldly sorrow. We blame shift. Well, I only did that because if you wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have. Well, if you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have. We rationalize it. Okay, I did that, but man, it's hard out here. Yeah, I did that, but you don't understand my scenario. You don't understand my situation. Yeah, that happened, but we self-loathe. Some of us, man, we're we're so, look, some of us can't even experience, like, community and accountability because you, 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 you like, I did that, I'm horrible, messed up, I can't believe I'm so, I'm a horrible, horrible person. It's like, Calm down, man. I, I wanted to talk to you about your sin, but I can't say nothing now because you I said you're horrible 18 times already. Self-loathing. That's, a, that's, a, that's, not, that's not godly. It's interesting that it seems like there's a heart rending here in this text here. And it, there's a response to that. So here's what I would say we... we we, we, we probably should consider and learn from this text, guys. As we, as we see God just having these people do this, I don't think it's like, oh, here's a, we, we've read this again. Oh, man, what's the, what does this mean? I think we should be like, whoa. What we're seeing is we're seeing a gracious God say, man, look how crazy y'all are. Look what y'all do, and look at how good I am. You, he wants us to leave with hope, going, man, I serve a good God. I serve a merciful God kind God who lets me do stuff in this world to remind the world of him. That's a beautiful thing. While in the midst of knowing your narrative, see, we all sit here and we know our narrative. We're like, me too? You too. That's the beauty of the gospel. The freedom that comes with that. The joy. God is kind and he's merciful and he's character through this text of allowing broken people to be a part of his cosmic great plan. We get to participate. So how do you participate? I would propose, how do you live in response to this? That's what we talked about, thankfulness and gratefulness. I am convinced that Paul, he talks about this being, again, like, like, be, pray, like praying in all things, and this, this concept of thankfulness you see in Thessalonians, I think it's there because it's important. It's important in the scriptures because God knows that when you're thankful and you're grateful, what that's really saying, you're recognizing who God is. When you got your focus, when you are, as it were, not having a magnifying glass on your situation, but you are having it on God, when you're magnifying God and you realize who he is and what he's done, it changes your perspective on life. When it changes your perspective on life, now you're going to be about his business and not your own. When you're about his business and not your own, you're going to be able to give, you're going to be able to serve, you're going to be able to live a life where you're sacrificing yourself just like our Savior did, and you're going to retell his story. That's what he's wanting us to do. That's why he's telling us gratefulness, thankfulness. It's very weary as a leader when I meet an ungrateful person. When I'm sitting with some of us and you're just, man, you're just like the... You know, I'm an older guy. You know, there was a cartoon called Care Bears. And there's one Care Bear, he had the little cloud, you know, with the rain. It was always just, it was always a storm. You know, he's like, man, why are you walking around with the Care Bear thing? 
You know, you need to care bear with the son. Right? <laughs> I know my analogy's dated, but praise God. If we can get this, if we can really get this, you know, we want to minister and do all these things all year. Man, if we left and we throughout the year became a more grateful people, seeing what God has done and what he's doing, I guarantee you it will change the community. Consider the character of God and consider how we should live. Now, I've seen this. I've seen this. Guys, we're talking about giving, right? Here's the thing. We came here and we said, you know, in October, I was like, hey, guys, September maybe. Guys, we, we got this. We think about getting this building. Y'all like, ooh, praise the Lord, Pastor. That's great. When you want to get it? Two months. <laughs> what, dude? <laughs> Two months. And you guys are, you know, you were awesome, though. You were like, that's kind of weird, but love you and love the vision, and we trust our pastor leadership, so praise the Lord. Two months, God did it. But you know what I love about the text and what I love about how it's not just out in some lofty area somewhere. It's people in history doing this stuff. Guess what? We have that testimony. He didn't just pow, and there's a stash of 185 grand just sitting on the floor. Right? That's not what he did. You know what he did? He used the people of God. He used you. He used an, he used the East Side Inner City Church, and God raised one hundred eighty-five thousand dollars in two months. Well, hold on now. Let's brag about God a little more. Not only did he do that, we had a day where we sat in this room. We sat in this other room here. Only a few of us. All right? That's not to talk about our body. That's just to talk about who God is. I think, I mean, who, I mean, uh, who, how many, 15 people? Right? I mean, 15 people. God raised over 20 grand in 30 minutes in his local body. That doesn't make much of you. That makes much of him. That's a, that, was a, that, was a, that was a flagpole moment for me. I was like, I would tears in my eyes. I was like, guys, we stop calling. You can stop calling now. I felt like this dude. Stop calling. We got the, we, 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 we need a 15 grand. We need 15 to, to, to end it. 20 in 30 minutes. People still had lists. People were still wanting to call more people. Wait a minute, let's brag about God anymore, even more. We stopped. Money was still coming in. That, that, look, I don't, you know, I've been here 10 years. Have you, do I, I don't preach on money because I'm so nervous for you to get it twisted. But man, I think it'll be dishonorable to not talk about God's goodness there. He did that. He did that, guys. Right? I just want us to remember that. Consider God. He's, he's done that through his people. He, he used you guys. He used you guys. And guys, we're going to we're going we're gonna to have a part two. You know, we're going to get these, 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 these pictures and stuff and we're going to Ask you guys to trust God and we say, God, hey guys, this is to see God raise the money for the renovation. You know, we're going to do what we need to do as pastors and we're going to, I'm going to talk to every church. We're going to hustle hard. But I want us to remember, man, gratefulness, consider what God has done in your life. It makes you go, yeah, I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to give. I want to, I want to do these things, right? Here's the last thing. The text is warning you and me. Because one thing I was born 
beginning. I was blown away with how it says, it talks about a lot about they did as what God wanted, right? In these texts, when you look at, when you, when you go through chapter 35 through 40, that's one of the things you'll see, okay? And I bring that to you now because we're going to say it over and over again. It, 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 the, whole, the whole tenor is like, hey, God said do this, and guess what, guys? Nothing sexy. They actually did it. And I'm always like, that's just so simple. Can't you be deeper, God? Right? That's a really simple thing. But no, it's not. You know what he's trying to say to you and me? When God shows you something, do it. Do it. As, a, as we serve together, I always talk about that. Man, I want to see you more like Jesus the next year. What grieves me, and I want you to hold me accountable. I don't want to be the same Eric that I was three years ago. Now, I was perfectly who God wanted me to be three years ago because I was him. But I know God has been telling me, making me more like himself. And what, what, I, what I don't want is us getting information. It's easy to get all these sermons, Matt group, you know, do all this stuff, and you hear what God wants you to do. And that's why, we, that's why our ministry is playing, right? People, we always, well, what does God want me to do? We like, look, we, you will figure out all the specific niche you, know, niche, niche you have. But what we do know, proclaim him, he wants you to disciple people. All right, so we're going to do that until you figure out if he wants you in a band as a lead singer and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because we know some things he wants you to do. And that's why the pillar of what we do is what we, go, we know that God wants us to do. Right? No one can go, well, he don't want me to disciple people. Yeah, you too. Everybody. Right? So that's why, that's why those things, being in group together, Matt, you know, our small groups, having Mac life, being in one-on-one training, going out to talk to people about Jesus, and then being a disciple, walking, communicating, multiplying your faith. The reason why we do that is because we, we say, okay, just like the Israelites, hey, when God shows you something, do it. That's why we, we, we harp on this, guys. I'm harping on it right now because I want everyone in here to not go, oh, this, is, this is our ministry motto. No, it's what God wants us to do. And guess what? If we have the right heart and mind, we realize it's a gift. We get to do this. It's a bummer when people are like, hey, I got a discipleship. I got to. No, no, no. We get to pour into each other. We get to care for each other. We get to proclaim the gospel. So, so ask yourself, are you, are, we, are you a believer that you see what God does from the scriptures and yet you're still like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do that. Or even more so, you know, there's in your personal lives, there's things that God has revealed to you. He wanted you to do. You never had that? And you just, you just, are you doing it? I think the text here is so clear. He wants us to be a people that does what he says. So consider that, guys. Thankfulness and gratefulness breeds passion and joy. We get to be a part of his plan. Our great God is, we get to see a little, a little more about his character. He's kind and merciful. And let us be a people who obey God. And you can, we can do that right now. If you're not in discipleship here in this local body, and you come into church and kind of doing that, but yet you know the Lord is like, why are you not getting that community? Like, why, what are you doing? I'm asking you to just respond. Just do what he tells you to do. Okay? If you need more information, let me know. Hey, let's respond to God in our time of offering and communion.